Hebrews chapter 10. This is our passage for this morning as well as for the entire summer. We will look at the beginning of this passage, but I'll read out verses 19 through 25, which will again be our new series through the summer together here at College Church. Hebrews chapter 10, here verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he, had, that he opened for us, through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word. Amen. Let's take our seats. Let's pray together as we come now to God's Word. We thank you, Lord, for your Word. And we pray now as uh, we come to uh, listen to what it is that you have to say, that by your Spirit you would grant us ears to hear hearts to believe, and so be transformed. And we pray these things in the sovereign and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you play online video games, you will know uh, that uh, there are often options regarding which team you will join. So you can play individually, but in certain online video games, you can join a particular tribe or group or clan or team, and uh, you can compete with a few other people online against other teams with whatever game it might be. And if you um, play these kind of online uh, video games where you join another group, you'll know that often those groups advertise themselves or promote themselves based upon what they're, what they're good at, what they're better at. And then you, you join the, the, the group, the tribe that particularly uh, you think is going to beat the competition. It's better. Well, the book of Hebrews, and in particular this passage that we'll be doing a deep dive on over the summer, is calling us uh, to uh, the better, the better Christ. And because Jesus is better, therefore, to spend time together. It's better uh, together. And of course, there are many other competing opportunities that we have these days. Uh, we, there are sports teams on Sunday morning. Uh, there are nice coffee shops on Sunday morning. <laughs> um, 
There's the, there's the bed on Sunday morning. Um, and not only Sunday morning, of course, we don't have Sunday evening right now. It's one of the things that we closed down during the pandemic to focus on sort of essential things. We, we had to, but we'll be starting it again, probably uh, come the fall. Um, uh, 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 so Sunday evening, and well, we've already heard about Tuesday evening, Tuesdays uh, together, um, and then Wednesday evening, the prayer meeting, other events. Uh, but there's so many other ways we could spend our time. Of course, we're relationally um, malnourished right now, so we love being together. But why church as opposed to all the other things? Well, as I say, we'll be doing a deep dive on that uh, over the summer. And when I say deep dive, there's going to be a lot of application and a deep dive, think of it as a, a, as a plunge into a nice, refreshing, cool pool. And as we go through it, we'll be seeing uh, why it is better uh, together. Uh, but this morning, we're really only looking at one word. And it's the first word of the passage. Uh, therefore. And as the Bible students among us will know, every time you see a, a therefore in the Bible, you should always ask what it's there for. And this morning, then, we're going to be uh, considering what it is that it's calling us to do, what it's there for, and why it's calling us to do that. So I'll do just a little brief um, overview of 1925, so I won't go into all the details of it, because we'll be doing that throughout the summer but then show why it's calling us to do what it is calling us to do. Therefore, what it is there for. Well, basically, uh, what it's uh, calling us to do is in verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together. Uh, to come together, to join together, to be a community together, to meet to get together. As is the habit of some. Uh, in the days that the author of Hebrews is writing, uh, by the way, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. No one does. You, you'll find various ideas out there all the time. But I think Oregon, the early church leader, put it best. Oregon said, God alone knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. So we don't know who wrote it. We'll just talk about the author of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is almost certainly writing to a group of Jewish Christians. Some people think priests, those will go through the series, it will, I think it will show that's probably not the case, but certainly, almost certainly a group of Jewish Christians who have been tempted to go back to Judaism, back to the synagogue, because it was safer, less likely to be persecuted, and stop meeting together. And so when he says, uh, let us not meet together as is the habit of some, there's something real there. And of course, there, it's the habit of some today for other reasons. I don't think many of us are today tempted to go back to Judaism. But there are many people who have been tempted to go forward and away from the church and away from Christianity rather than to go back. 
And so when we we look at this, what this is there for, it's calling us to meet together, to not neglect meeting together, as is the habit, habit of some. But that isn't just a commitment to an institutional organization. No, he says encouraging one another. That's why we meet together, isn't it? To encourage one another. That's why it's so important to sing. It's not only for your own edification, your own good. It's so that the person next to you can see you sing and hear you sing. And for some of us, hearing the person next to us sing is a greater blessing than for other people, depending on who you're sitting next to. But it's the enthusiasm, isn't it? The commitment. Sometimes when people are singing, I just stop singing because I like to hear other people sing. Yeah, for good reason. I could hear someone, you know, obviously you've heard me sing, you know. It it, it builds each other up. It encourages one another. That's why we meet together, to encourage one another. And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as we go through the series. Since we have confidence... When you come through the doors, it's because of Christ you have boldness to come in. If Jesus accepts you, you're accepted. You have confidence. You're welcome. And so we draw near, verse 22. We're not uh, standoffish and distant. We're leaning near. We're drawing near. Fully assured. And then these are three great instructions we'll look at. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. That is, we hold on to the true doctrine. Let us consider how to stir up one another. So we're not only encouraging another, we're stirring one another up. Let's come out on Tuesday. Let's, let's share the faith that we have with our neighbors. Come on, you can do it. Let's keep going. We stir one another up. Yeah, let's move forward. Let's not move back in our faith. Let's grow and keep on going in our, in our commitment to Jesus. Let's stir one another. Let's read the Bible. Come on. How's your prayer life going? Stir one another up to love and good works. That's such an important word today, I think. Love. There's so much harshness and negativity today. Let's stir up the church to love and good works. Well, we'll be looking at all that over the summer and seeing what it means for us. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean an institutional commitment to organization. We, we, it means these things. We put it like this as a church. The God-centered gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed in us as a church and through us to the world by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. We're on mission together. We're stirring one another up. We discover Jesus. We want people to discover Jesus. We, we want to grow in our faith. We want to impact the world. And therefore, we each one invite one. Who can we invite to church? Let's stir each other up to do that. Each one serve uh, the one, have an impact on the world. Each one engages one. We come, we draw near. And all these things that are the, the there of the therefore. But of course the question is why? 
And uh, that's the other side of the therefore, isn't it? Not only what you're to do, but why you're to do it. And uh, basically, the book of Hebrews is set up so the first 10 chapters or so are leading up to this moment that we'll be looking at over the summer. It's really the pinnacle moment of the whole book of Hebrews. And it's providing the why for the call to meet together, to not go back to Judaism, but to to stay with the Christian community and stir one another up in in faith and all the rest that the, the, the rest of the book of Hebrews and particularly these verses talk about. That's the why. Now, obviously, I, I, I can't go through the whole, the, the first 10 chapters this morning, but I want to give you a little bit of a sense of it. Basically, the book of Hebrews, 25 times, says that Jesus is better. Uh, it uses the word better or similar words like greater, superior. 25 times, he's better. And we can't go through every single one of those 25 times, but in essence, uh, the book of Hebrews has three main aspects of what he is better than. First of all, he's better than the prophets. This is uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The author of Hebrews puts it like this, verse 1, chapter 1, long ago, This is the why, the therefore, he's better, why he's better than the prophets, Jesus is. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That means, of course, Isaiah, Amos, Jeremiah, the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So what the author of Hebrews is saying is, Jesus is God's final word. In the past, he spoke to us through many and various ways through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken by his son, that is Jesus. And therefore, Jesus is God's final word. And that's why he'll say over and over again throughout the book of Hebrews, if you, if you, if you don't listen to Jesus... There's nothing else that God has to say. And that's why if you uh, come to the end of the, of, uh, the book, uh, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, by the way, is basically one sermon put into a letter. And so if you come to the end of, of the book, um, verse 22 of chapter 13, he says this, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. So that's the sermon. For I have written to you briefly, which is the letter which the sermon is in. But what he's saying is, because Jesus is God's final word, and because the author of Hebrews, as he preaches, is preaching that final word, you need to listen to that sermon as if you're listening to the final word of God. 
And when sermons explain the Bible and lift up Christ as God's final word, we need to listen. For there's, there's no other word to come. And of course what that means is Islam is wrong. There was no other prophet after Jesus. Jesus is God's final word. It also means the Mormons are wrong. There's no other prophet after Jesus. Jesus is God's final word. So the author of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is better because he's God's final word and he's better than the prophets, therefore. But then he also compares him to the angels. And this goes through from verse 4 of chapter 1 all the way to the end of chapter 2. But if you look at verse 4, he says this. Jesus, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So that's the, the better, superior, greater comparison. He's superior to angels. What are angels? Verse 14 of chapter 1. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That's what angels are. They're God's messengers, spirits who are sent to serve those who inherit salvation. That is, uh, believers, uh, the true believers in God. But Jesus is much superior even to angels. And therefore, this is the first of these uh, consequences to this teaching that that culminates in chapter 10. Uh, Therefore, chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? That is, because in the, in the Jewish tradition that the law was somehow related to the ministry of angels in, in the tradition, if, if those who rece- refused to receive the word that came through angels from God, how much more will there be a just retribution to those who refuse to listen to Jesus himself, God's final word, who is so much superior even to angels? I suppose most of us are not tempted to listen to angels, but are we tempted to listen to that mystical experience rather than what the Bible says? That feeling we have or what just seems to be right when we pray about it rather than what the the Bible says? Jesus is is God's final word. But then most of all, what the author of Hebrews does in these first 10 chapters is he compares Jesus to the, the old covenant, to Moses, and says that he's, he's better than that. So this runs really from chapter 3 right up until the passage we'll be looking at over the summer. So chapter 3, uh, verse 3, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house 
has more honor than the house itself. In other words, uh, Jesus, as God, is the builder of the house of the Old Testament and therefore has much more glory than the whole of the Old Testament, even of Moses. And therefore, again, he says, uh, verse 15 um, of chapter 3, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In other words, when they refused to listen to what Moses said and, th- and did not enter into the promised land, the consequences were dire. Today, if you hear what God says through Jesus, who is of much greater glory than Moses, don't harden your heart. And, by the way, this includes uh, Joshua in the old t- chapter 4, verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So Joshua, who led God's pre- people into the promised land and gave them rest in the promised land, and yet it was never completed, Never fulfilled. There was another day when there would be rest. And that rest is the rest in the true Joshua. For Joshua, of course, is the name Yeshua, which is the same as the name for Jesus. Yeshua is the real Joshua. And in him, the real Joshua, in Yeshua, there is rest. That is salvation, forgiveness of sins. And so he goes on about this in uh, in various ways, chapter after chapter, until he comes to um, chapter 9 and verse 11. What about all the priests? Well, chapter 9, verse 11, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have have come, Jesus is the great high priest. I'm not a priest. I'm, not, I'm a pastor. Christ is our great high priest. And that's why we enter with confidence, with boldness. Through him. He's the high priest. He entered once for all into the holy places, verse 12 of chapter 9. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, the holy place, the real holy place, that is the heaven of heavens, the presence of God, not the physical temple, which is a mere, was only a reflection of the real temple, that is the presence of God. And therefore, again, another of these therefores that leads up to the culminating therefore of the passage we're looking at over the summer, verse 15, chapter 9, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, that is this new relationship with God that comes through Christ by faith that now goes out to all nations, again, that's why we put in our, in our uh, vision statement, the God-centered gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed in us and through us to the world by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, this new covenant And so he then says, chapter 10, verse 10, And by that will, God's will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, through his blood, through his body. Chapter 12, uh, chapter, verse 12, chapter 10, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, verse 14, a single offering he has perfected for all time. And then he adds, verse 17, chapter 10, 
I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. And as he comes to this great moment of culminating, therefore, what the therefore is therefore, he builds to the crescendo by emphasizing, repeating over and over again, once for all, chapter 7, verse uh, 27, he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Chapter 9, uh, verse 12, he entered once for all into the holy places. Chapter 9, verse 26, he appeared once for all the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Chapter 10, uh, verse 10, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all, the sacrifice of Christ to the cross, one time, never to be repeated, is sufficient to cover all our sins. And therefore, he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. And therefore, we meet together. Now, I want you to notice what he does not say. The argument he makes is not this. This is what he does not say. He does not say, meet together because... Your church has better programs. They're amazing, those programs. So exciting. Much better than synagogue. Oh, their children's programs, extraordinary. So much better. Therefore, meet together. He doesn't say that. Nor does he say, he doesn't make this argument, this is not what he says. He doesn't say, the people at the church are just so much nicer than the people in the synagogue. Those Christian people are just lovely. They're so much better. So much kinder. So much more loving. You know, there's an old joke that's gone around uh, pastor ministry circles for many years, and perhaps by now you've heard it. I, I don't know. But the old joke is, church would be great if it were not for the people. Well, we tried that this pandemic. We found that it ain't so great. <laughs> we, 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 we're hungry to be together. We love each other. We want to be together. But the real truth is that churches are a bit of a mess. They always have been. They always will be this side of glory. Glory. 
The author of Hebrews does not say people in Christian churches are just much better than those who go to the synagogue, therefore meet together. He doesn't say that. Nor does he say, oh, the buildings, the facilities. I mean, that church just has a brand new facility. Have you seen it? Wow, have you seen all the glass they have? Oh, it's amazing. So much better than the synagogue. Of course, he couldn't make that argument. Almost certainly at the time, uh, the temple was still in existence. We don't know for sure. But it would be very strange if he was writing after the temple had been destroyed because he makes the case over and over again that the sacrifices are no longer functional, have no purpose because Christ has come, his sacrifice once for all. It would be very strange if he didn't, as a, to make the point, say, well, look, the temple's been destroyed. Almost certainly this book of Hebrews was written before the temple destroyed, that is before AD 70. The temple was amazing. The, 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 the Jewish Christians to whom he was writing were meeting in, well, maybe they had nice buildings, we don't know, but not like the temple. He doesn't say, oh, their facilities are so much better. Oh, the people are so much nicer. Oh, their programs are so much better. Doesn't say that. Uh, I've um, only ever been to one rock concert in my life, which is not a, it's neither a statement that I'm particularly cool or a statement that I'm particularly not. It's just a biographical fact. Um, I was 18 and just come out of high school, and a group of friends. Um, wanted to go and see the band at the time that was just, you know, was really at the top of the, the crest of the wave of fame at the time, a band called U2, which you probably heard of, I guess most of us have. And U2 at the time were really, had hit the, the, the highlights, and it was their Joshua Tree tour. And um, they were playing in um, Wembley Stadium. And Wembley Stadium in London is the, uh, the home of... English soccer, English football. It's a huge stadium. Um, and um, they, they, I think they sold the place out for a month, or maybe it was only a few weeks, but it was packed. And, and we, we weren't actually in the stands when we went to the stadium, in, in, the, in the seats. We were on the, on the hallowed turf, on the, on the ground when we were, went to the, the, the concert. And the stadium seats at the time sat about 80,000 or so, and everyone on the ground, it was, I don't know how many people were there, pushing 100,000, I would guess, something like that. It was packed out. But, but you know, that stadium, they've since re, they've torn it down and built a, a new one, which is just, I've never been there, but it, it's really pretty amazing, I think. But that, that old Wembley Stadium was nothing to write home about. It was kind of ramshackle. It needed a lick of paint or two, and I won't, I won't, I won't tell you what the restrooms were like because they were not great. And w- when you we, we got off of the subway, which of course in London is called the the tube, uh, the underground, you get off there and you make, make your way up to Wembley Stadium, and there's a sort of well-known path that you walk up, and that path was sort of I don't know, it was not great, I tell you. But I didn't go there for the stadium. 
I didn't really even go there for my friends because we hung out all the time. We could hang out some other time. I went there for the band. I still remember the moment when Bono and U2 first came on that platform. It's better together because Jesus is better. That's why we're the body of Christ. And when we meet together in confidence and boldness, oh, it's better. Because we meet with Him. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And these days, of course, the main pushback to this is time. People are very busy these days. Everyone says they're very busy. A few years ago, Nielsen, the global company that does surveys of data and all this sort of thing and comes out with statistics, they did a survey of how many hours per day Americans were spending on screens I think this survey was done like in 2015 or something, so it's a few years ago. Who knows what it is now? But at the time, the, um, the, 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 the data they came back with, on average, Americans are spending just under 11 hours a day on screens. Now, some of that is, you know, work. I mean, we, we use screens all the time. I read books on screens. It's not like it's all time-wasting. I get that. You have Use screens for all sorts of things. But if Jesus is better than the prophets, if Jesus is better than Moses, if he's better than the angels, You know, you can, if you have an iPhone, I guess the same is true for Android, you can get a report each week of how many hours a day you, sp- you spend on your phone. If Jesus is better than Moses, if he's better than the angels, if he's better than the prophets, surely he's better than Candy Crush. so much better together. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we do thank you that we can meet together. We're so grateful for that, Lord. Thank you. And we pray for this summer as you call us into community that you would guard that community Help us to stir each other up into love and good works. Fill us with joy and confidence and boldness. And use us for your glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.